Do you know that the earth is an eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed? Not crazy. The earth is an expectation. How much more are the sons of God to be an expectation? John says in Revelations, Jesus says, I will come back. I will return. John replies to him, yes, Lord, come. Yes, Lord, come. Do you know that expectation is not a feeling? Huh? You guys are, you guys, are, you, are you guys shy today? Is it holidays? Cold? Expectation is not a feeling. It's a decision. Expectation is not, I had a great day. Expectation is, I have faith. Expectation is siding with the Spirit of God inside of me saying, Lord, come. Come as you promised. You know that song? <laughs> you should have heard that version. I've never heard that version before. Come on, come as you promised. Come as you promised. That was like a rap song. Do it. Do it. Do the remix, bro. We're, we're, we're going to sing it. But are you expecting? Because your expectation is not connected to how you feel. Your expectation is connected to your faith. And that is connected to your spirit. And the Holy Spirit is eager, is expecting, is desiring for his return. And every time I join with the Holy Spirit inside myself and I say, Holy Spirit, I want what you want. All of a sudden I begin to expect. Something begins to happen in my heart and I expect him to come. I expect him to speak. I expect him to encounter me. Those that are online viewing us, we greet you. Come on, greet those that are watching us online. Wherever you are, we love you. Be in expectation today to receive what God has for you in Jesus' mighty name. What a powerful message this morning to be seated with Christ. You know, Ephesians 2 says that we are saved by, we are saved by grace through faith. What series are we doing? This month? Are we talking about the ushering team? Yes, we are, of course. You know, last week we talked about grace that saves. We talked a lot about what Jesus did for us. You know, Ephesians says, you are saved by grace through faith. In other words, grace is activated for the believer. Not just for anybody. He who believes receives grace. This is not I believe to earn grace. In my confession of faith that I believe in Jesus, grace comes. Grace, we are saved by through faith. Faith activates my salvation. Is that right? Did I say that right? Some of you are like, it's the greatest miracle is a man or a woman that gets saved. Because this is not a year's work of training. This is not a year's work of school. This is not a year's work of memorizing scripture. This is a moment when faith comes into a person's heart. He responds by confessing that Jesus is Lord in his life. And in that moment, the Bible says, salvation comes. The only name that is honored by God, that a man to which he is saved by, is the name Jesus. There is no mediator other than him between man and God. And when a person calls on the name of Jesus, 
confesses him as his Lord and Savior, in that moment, grace is given. That's why we have scriptures like, I was lost, but I've been, I didn't find my way. I was lost, but I have been found. I was in the darkness, but I've been brought to the, I didn't make my way to the light, I got brought to the light. I didn't get myself saved, the Lord saved me. I didn't get myself out of the hole. I called on him and he pulled me out. I didn't get myself out of addiction. When I began to confess the name of Jesus, he broke the addiction. And so my confession of faith in Jesus as the mediator, as the one that saves, the only one that saves, grace in that moment comes. And all of a sudden a sinner becomes a saint in a moment. Everything you've ever done wrong, Jesus makes right in one moment. Everything you've ever regretted, Jesus makes right in a moment. Everything you have guilt over, Jesus makes right in a moment. Everything your adversary condemns you of, our advocate makes it right in a moment. He makes it right in a moment. The moment I confess him as my Lord, he comes into my life. There is new birth. There is grace. Because everything I've ever did deserved punishment. And in that moment, instead of punishment, I'm saved. I'm given forgiveness. I'm given life. I'm given healing. I'm given restoration. I'm being renewed. I'm being transformed. In that moment, I call on his name. My life begins to change. You know what I think the devil's trying to do? Disable us from calling on the name of Jesus. I want you to pay attention to something. In this last year of all the worship songs that were released, the praise songs that were released, what is the percentage of those that have the name of Jesus in them? To think about that. How often in the music you listen to, you hear the name of Jesus? Can I be honest with you? Huh? Some of you are like, I don't, I don't know. Getting in my business. There's some music that I listen to that's released by Christian artists or Christian worship teams. And I don't know if I'm listening to a love song or a song about Jesus. I don't know if I'm listening to a dating, dating advice or, or how, to, how, to, you know, how to love this girl with all your heart and your soul. Or I'm, or I'm listening to a song that's telling me that it's talking about Jesus. Do you know that... We will not reach people if the name of Jesus is not in what we're saying. We will not reach people by our message. We will not reach people with our music if the name of Jesus is not being declared. The name of Jesus, you know, the name of Jesus every time, especially today, if you were in school and you say the name of Jesus, everybody gets uncomfortable. Everybody gets offended. Your, your, your neighbor just cursed and the teacher didn't say nothing and you raised your voice and said Jesus and you're getting detention. Because you're inflicting on people's beliefs as you say the name of Jesus. The devil does not like when we confess the name of Jesus. People who do not know him do not like when we confess the name of Jesus. When we sing the name of Jesus, when we pray the name of Jesus, when we tell people who Jesus is, the devil does not like the name of Jesus. This is the only name at which heaven, 
honors this name because this name has been honored by the Father. This is the only name at which is confessed and hell begins to shake. This is the only name at which is confessed and your situation begins to get a little bit different. This is the only name at which you confess and heaven comes into your situation. This is the only, you don't got to clap. This is the only name that which you cry out and your healing comes. This is the only name at which you confess and your breakthrough comes. This is the only name. The name of Jesus brings into your life what you need. But you know what we care more about? I don't want to offend anybody. The Bible says darkness does not know. Did not know the light, and it will not know the light. But the light comes when I confess the name of Jesus. Light begins to come into my area, into my situation, into my life when I begin to confess his name. <laughs> Some here are like, yes, sir. Come on. Sometimes, sometimes you guys think I'm yelling at you. I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling at the devil in your life. I'm yelling at your situations that are telling you different. I'm, I'm yelling at your thoughts that are telling you different. I'm sounding clear to you what is truth in your life. And when you confess the name of Jesus. Somebody give me some water, man. I'm, see what the devil's trying to do right now? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. How you like that devil? I'm not going to. I'm about to choke on my cotton mouth. Okay. Tell me the book of Jude. Actually, first, let's go to 2 Peter. Man, something begins to happen when we confess the name of Jesus. There is power in his name. All authority in his name. Healing in his name. We thank you, God. Look at what 2 Peter says, chapter 1, verse 2. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. May God give you, am I reading this right? May God give you more and more grace. Maybe if you have amplified, they love to take everything to a whole another level. More might be in there four or five times. May God give you more and more and more and more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. We all agree grace, it saves us. Right? Grace saves us. By grace it is that it is by grace it is that we are saved. By grace we are saved. By grace. So there's nothing that I have done or nothing that I do to earn salvation. Are we here? Are we here? Grace, salvation comes into my life because of all that Jesus has done. Everything he has accomplished and done, and by, how, and by what he has done, I can receive salvation into my life. It's the grace of God. Basically, he paid everything. You don't got to pay nothing. I love, we were texting back and forth. With a, I was texting back and forth with a good friend. And just sharing our thoughts about grace. And he says, you know, he sends me his, his definition of grace of kind of what he's learned through the years and what God's taught him. And he says, grace, grace 
is a free gift without any loophole, no strings attached, no small print, you know, the fine print on the back, no fine print. Grace is just given to you freely. And that's the truth. There's nothing that we have to do in small print. There's nothing that we have to do to earn it. The Bible says it's undeserved and it's free. So grace comes into our life. Salvation comes into our life through grace. And we don't do anything except receive it. We heard this morning it's a gift. It's a gift for those that are born again and we receive this salvation by grace. We don't do anything to attain it. But I know that often we believe that and we know that. But we live our life trying to attain something. We live our life trying to prove God something. We live our life trying to prove to each other something. Because I sing on stage, I can prove to people that I am good with God. But you know how many times I have been on stage and I have been behind a mic and I have felt like that I'm not good with God because not, I was not in position to be pleased by God, but I was trying to do this by attaining something that God would be approved of me. You know, grace, it's not just salvation. Grace is complete approval. Not of our sin. Grace is complete approval of us as children. Where God accepts us the way we are, forgiving our sin and taking us into his home. Taking us into his family. It's complete approval. And often that approval we sought somewhere else. But God says, I approve of you when I saved you. I see you through my son. I see you through what my son did. But Peter is saying here, hey, I'm praying and I'm asking God for more and more and more grace. And I'm like, what do you mean more and more and more grace? Do you know that God has more grace for you? I'm about to jump on some of you. You know that God has more grace for you? I love this reaction. God has more grace for you. Peter says, may God give you more and more. I think if he wasn't in a hurry to wherever he was going, he kept, he would have kept writing more. More and more grace. You know what I find in almost every letter in the New Testament? Grace be with you. Grace and peace be with you. Letters start with grace and letters end with grace. Letters got grace all over them. For some reason, the writers of the New Testament, more and more, Peter, Jude, we're going to read some of these, Paul, Timothy, they begin to all say, grace be with you. Peter goes a little bit beyond and says, grace, more and more and more to you. More and more grace to you and peace. Those that are coming to know Jesus in a greater way. So more grace is connected to my growth in the knowledge of God. More grace is not for me to continue doing what I want. More grace is for me to grow in the things God wants. More grace is not to live the way it's comfortable for me. More grace is to live uncomfortable for God. More grace is not to justify my lifestyle. More grace is to sanctify my lifestyle. More grace is not to say this is now okay. You know, I hear things like, man, I love, pastors like share, share this to me, and I, my, my, oh, my heart begin to shake in a good way. When you hear people saying, today our theology has changed. 
20 years ago, we viewed things like this according to the scriptures. But today, we, we view things a little bit differently. And that theology is not actually theology. That's comfort to fit our lifestyle in the modern day. Because today, the Bible says Jesus has not changed. Yesterday, today, and forever, he is the same. And so if he has not changed, grace has not changed either. He is grace. Do you know that? That's why grace is not just one thing. Grace is not just salvation. Grace is also sanctification. Grace is also empowerment from heaven to live a new life. Grace is also a calling that God has received, that has called you, that you receive and you begin to live out. Grace is complete approval from God. Grace is, is being accepted by God as his child. Grace is favor that God bestows upon us. Grace is God's kindness. Grace is God's goodness. Grace is God's love. And all these things are possible because grace is Jesus. And if he has not changed, grace has not changed. More grace is for more knowledge to know God in my life. More grace is to live a life that God has called me to live. More grace. Hit your neighbor. More grace. Hit him harder. More grace. More grace. More grace. More grace. Look what, now we can turn to Jude. Look what Jude says. Look, kind of what we're talking about. Look what Jude says. Are you there? Okay, look at, um, go to chapter 2. Uh, chapter 1, verse 3. Some of you, uh, I got the short version. I don't know what's wrong with my Bible. <laughs> what, what, what is Revelation? <laughs> it's on chapter 2. Uh, Jude, verse 3. Dear friends, tell him, dear friend. Dear friends, I have been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. I say this because some ungodly people have warmed, oh, have warmed their way, or I need some, I need, I'm not going to climb on girls, I need some guys, that have warmed their way into our churches. Okay, and look at this. Saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. That's funny, isn't it? You know, the devil, he doesn't walk into the house like he owns the place. He comes in like a worm. And he finds holes. He finds, you know, he finds things that are undealt with in our life. He finds areas where we are compromising. He finds places where we're justifying something. And the Bible says these people, like worms, come into churches. And they begin to talk about grace that allows us to live immoral lives. <laughs> 
And what they're doing is not just preaching a new grace, but they're preaching against the faith that we received in the beginning. See, it's one thing to preach a new message on grace, but it's another thing to get into people's business and begin to destroy the very faith they have. See, this is the devil written all over it. Because when he attacks our bodies, when he attacks our money, when he attacks our kids, if you got some, I hope some of you do, when he attacks your family, when he attacks you at school, he is not just trying to get into your business. He's trying to get to your faith. He doesn't care about how much money you got in your bank account. He's connected to what connects you to receiving something from a heavenly bank account, and that's your faith. If he comes against your faith, he strips you of the right to receive everything that God has promised you. And so we don't just got a new message on grace. We got a message on grace that's trying to take away the faith that we came with, that we received in the beginning. If our faith in the beginning is hindered, our life forever is devastated. Bible says, we ought to live by faith. We are called to live by faith. Live by the faith that you received. If your faith is penetrated, your life begins to fall apart. If there is doubt that creeps into your mind about God's goodness, your life begins to fall apart. Tell your neighbor, protect your faith. Guard your faith. Like worms, there are people coming into the church that are preaching grace that allows us to live an immoral life. But more grace that Peter is saying to us is not for people that live immoral lives. More grace is for people that come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ more. My more Jesus allows me to receive more grace. My more knowledge of who he is allows me to receive more grace. Is it possible? Let's make this connection. Look at this. But now I find that I must write about something else urging you to defend the faith, right? So the attack is on the faith. Defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time. Faith once for all time. Are you hearing that? Faith once for all time. In other words, for me what this speaks is my faith today, it's one way. And tomorrow, my faith's another way. Today, I believe like this. Tomorrow, I believe like this. A year ago, yeah, I thought that. I believe that. But it's been a year. Things have changed. I believe a little bit different. But God says, I've entrusted faith to you once and for all time. Paul says, I didn't have faith and change it up and then keep a different faith when I finish my life. Paul says, I have faith I kept the faith, I persevered in the faith, I grew in the faith, I finished in faith. There was a faith that was entrusted to him, and that faith he kept till the end. Faith does not change. 
Faith's viewpoints do not change because they are upon God's word. Your emotions change. Your feelings change. Your opinion change. But faith does not change because faith derives from God's word. What God speaks, I believe in. What God speaks, I believe in. What God speaks, I believe in. If God said it, I believe it. If God spoke it, I believe it. If God promised it, I believe it. So what God is saying, I'm believing. And that's why the Bible says, once for all time, because God says, my name, am I going too fast? My name, my word is above my name. In other words, my word does not change. What I speak, I continue to speak. And what I speak will be fulfilled. And your faith, come on, this is good. Because your faith is not based upon something that changes because of seasons. Your faith is not based upon something that changes because of environment. Your faith is in, connected to a place in heaven which derives from God's word. Does not change. Does not get impacted by the environment. Does not change because of... Should I say this? Because of culture. Oh, man. Faith does not change because of style. Faith does not change because of how we do services today. Faith does not change how we lead worship. Faith does not change in what we preach because God's word does not change. And my faith is upon his word. And my faith that he gave me is the faith I should keep till the end. Once for all time. Do you see your friend's faith changing? Pray for him. Don't. Oh, hey, you know what George said? You know? No, pray. Pray for him. Pray for her. There's faith, faith that we receive once, and this faith is for all time. But look what it says. We're not done there. Look. I urge you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time. Yeah? We got that? Now look what it says. Once for all time to his holy people. Faith once for all time to his holy people. Okay, let's rewind. There are, peop there are people like worms. <laughs> Don't imagine that. That's really weird. <laughs> Come, coming, into the, coming into the house of God. They don't crawl on the floor. They walk like we do. They talk like we do. Kind of. <laughs> they, might, they might walk a little bit different. Watch. They worm their way into the churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. So there's an attack on grace. That grace really is not just an attack on grace. That attack is on our faith. That's why God's warning saying, defend your faith, right? So it's not just an attack on grace. It's an attack on faith. Now, if the faith is attacked... The one faith that we received in the beginning and the faith that we should keep to all time, this faith, the Bible says, is for 
God's holy people. If the faith is hindered and attacked in your life, guess what else is? Your holiness. Because my holiness is not from my good deeds. My holiness is not from my consistent church attendance, which is good. I hope you can, you know, don't use that against me. My holiness is not for me just being in a life group, though I should be in one. Everybody said? Amen. My faith is not just from my involvement in ministry, though I need to be involved in ministry. Everybody said? Amen. My faith is not, my holiness is not just from me being born in a Christian home, though that's great. And everybody said? Amen. My holiness is only connected to my faith. My faith brings righteousness into my life. Nothing else. Because I believe, my faith in who I believe in gives me right standing before him. That's why the Bible says Abraham was credited as righteous, not because of what he did, but he did because of what he believed. Because he believed, he was credited as righteous. In other words, if you are righteous, the Bible is saying you are in right standing before God. Hell, it's great to be in right standing before your parents. Are you with me? When mom and dad are happy with you, hallelujah. You can get anything. You can ask for anything. But can you imagine what you get? Can you imagine what is accessed into your life when you have right standing, not just with mommy and daddy. You got right standing with God. God is looking at you and saying you are in the place you ought to be in. You are looking at God confidently and saying, God, it's not because of what I did. It's because of what you did. And I believe that I'm righteous. But if my faith is attacked, I am now hindered to be able to stand in righteousness. I am now hindered to be able to live in holiness. Because faith brings holiness into my life. Faith brings righteousness into my life. And if faith is hindered, so is your holiness. I have a question often I ask myself when I see Lines being crossed in our culture, in Christianity, not in the world, in Christianity. This is now okay. You can be a guy but pierce your nose. And I don't know what that's all about. You can get tattoos all over your body. And it's, it's, it's cool to get them on places where you lift your hands and the, the shirt comes down and people can see it when you worship, you know. And all these things are cool. And I begin to ask myself, I'm like, hey, by no means do I condemn these people. By no means do I judge these people. But if holiness is being attacked, if holiness is being changed, is it possible that faith is being changed? Is it possible that the message of grace is being changed? Because if grace is being changed and it's hindering my faith, it might also hinder the way I live my life and the way I look living my life. I don't read about anybody in the Bible that crossed lines but was in right standing with God. I read about people in the Bible that lived a righteous Holy life, not by their works, understand me right, not by what they did, but because of the faith they had in God, it caused them to have a conviction to live a way uh, no one else lived, to live a lifestyle, even people, even people that were in secular nations, people that were in defiled nations, people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, people like Daniel, people like David, people like, help me out, Joseph, people like they're all over the Bible. People like, oh my gosh, Jesus under the Roman Empire. People like the disciples. People like Peter. People like John. People like Jonah. Who lived in defiled, immoral areas. But they were not defiled. Because the faith they had in God 
gave them a conviction to live a different way. That conviction always leads to holiness. That conviction always leads to righteous living. That conviction leads not to blending in, but doing what God wants for me and being okay with it. See, friend, you don't give me right standing with God. My faith in you does not give me right standing. So why would you dictate the way I live and, the, and what gives me standing before God? Why would I allow culture and TV and movies and music to tell me what I can and cannot do when it's my faith that convicts me of what is right and wrong. It's my faith that brings right standing into my life. It's my faith that tells me to live a holy life because I'm not trying to prove something to you. I'm trying to please God. I'm trying to do what God wants me to do and I live by faith. I live by the grace bestowed upon me that says it's not just grace that saved but it's grace that sanctifies and leads me to a new life and this is what I live by. Yeah? Uh, go to Zechariah really quick. Worship team, get on stage. Let's do this. Go to Zechariah really quick. Go to chapter 3, look what it says. Then the angel showed me Jeshua. Your, some of your Bibles will say Joshua, it's the same name, it's okay. The angel showed me Joshua, we'll just say that, it's a little bit easier to say. The angel showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. The accuser Satan was there at, angels, at the angel's right hand, making accusations against Joshua. And the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject your accusations. Satan. Now I wonder how he began to shake when the Lord began to speak. Yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you this man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire that's how I feel I got saved the Lord pulled me out Je Joshua's clothing was filthy as he stood there before the angel so the angel said to the others standing there take off his filthy clothes And turning to Joshua, he said, see, cast your neighbor, you see, I have taken away your sins. And now I am giving you these fine new clothes. Then I said, they should also place a clean turban on his head. We're not done yet. So they put a clean priestly turban on his head and dressed him in new clothes while the angel of the Lord stood by. Then the angel of the Lord spoke very solemnly to Joshua and said, This 
is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. If you follow my ways and carefully serve me, then you will be given authority over my temple and its courtyards. I will let you walk among these standing here. Listen to me, Joshua the high priest and, and all the other priests. You are symbols of things to come. Soon I am going to bring my servant, the branch. Look at the jewel I have set before Joshua, a single stone with seven facets or faces. I will engrave an inscription on it, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and I will remove the sins of this land in a single day. And on that day, says the Lord of heaven's armies, each of you will invite your neighbor to sit with you peacefully, under your own grapevine and fig tree. Now go really quick to Romans chapter 5. Or 6, I think. Yeah, go to Romans chapter 6. Verse 1. Well then. Chapter 6, verse 1. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? What does it say? I need you to help me shout this. What does it say? G4T, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. G4T, young people, should we keep living in sin that God would show us more and more of his grace? And Paul, just to make it clear, later skip down to verse 15. Well then, let's go first, verse 14. Sin is no longer your master. Uh-huh. For you are no longer living under the requirements of the law. Grace set us free from the law, right? Instead, you live under the freedom. Oh, man. You live under the freedom of God's grace. Well, then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean, young people, we go on sinning? I didn't hear you. Do we go on sinning? Some of you ain't saying that. I'm getting nervous. Do we go on sinning? Do we go on sinning? Do we go on sinning? Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin which leads to death or or, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Don't you know that the requirements of the law condemned you, but grace brought you into freedom? Freedom. Grace brought you into freedom. 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 I'm going to keep saying it. Freedom. Not bondage. Freedom. Not slavery. Freedom. Grace brought you into freedom. Grace brought you into freedom. And what you obey 
you become a slave to. But, but, obey God and become slaves to righteous living. When grace saves me, but I continue to live in sin, you know what I'm doing? Jesus overcame the grave before he became the substance of grace. When I have sin in my life, as a believer and I live with it the Bible I'm gonna put in my words in my words what we do instead of walking in the freedom of grace but we have sin in our life that we begin to be okay with and justify what we're doing what we're literally doing is we're going back to the grave and bringing things upon our life that Jesus paid a price for See, grace didn't cost us anything. But we have to believe the Bible and the fact that grace costs someone everything. And the price it cost him, I cannot forget. The price it cost him, I cannot look over and think grace, God just gives me every day no matter what. Uh, I'd be careful. He gives more grace to those that live in according to what he asks. He takes the dirty clothes off the priest. He puts new clothes on them. This is what happens in our salvation. The old is gone. The new is here. If you feel like you've got a stain somewhere, but you've repented, brush Satan off your shoulders. Because the Bible says the old is gone and the new has come. He doesn't clean you up. He gives you new attire. He doesn't wash with bleach. He gives you new clothing. He doesn't just change your attitude. He gives you a new character. Oh man, come on. He makes you new. Man, some of you fix cars and you sell insurance and you do all kinds of cool things and you build houses. Pastor Sykes building a house right now. Everybody give a shout out to Jesus. Oh my gosh. He's going to have us all over in six months in Jesus' name. I, that, was, that was big faith, bro. <laughs> you know, when we make new things, man, we, we make new things. I had a guy, there was a guy that came to my dad when we, lived, when we still lived in California. He was fixing cars at night while he was working somewhere else during the day. Come on, our dads work hard when we came here. People like, how, you know, how, how are you guys doing so well? I'm like, my dad busted his, you know, he worked hard. <laughs> he worked hard. He worked overtime. He came home from work, worked all night. He'd get out, he got up early before we even knew we, you could wake up that possible, and he's already out the door. <laughs> and we come home late, he comes home even later. And so my dad's fixing a car in California. He's fixing a bright red, beautiful BMW. I didn't plan to share this, so this is very important. The guy comes to test drive this BMW. It's literally just a couple years old. My dad got a, just a steal of a deal fix it all up, and the guy begins to test drive this car. My dad's like, there is no one that has ever test-drived any car I've fixed this way. Dude was breaking 
full blast from 70. He was accelerating on the throttle full blast. I don't know if you ever got test drivers like that. Those guys are crazy. He was taking turns so fast. He was doing all kinds of stuff, just crazy, checking the car out. He finally gets to my dad's house. My dad's like, oh, my gosh, like this guy almost killed me. He better buy my car. I'm going to kill him, you know. And he gets out of the car. He's like, can I ask you a question? My dad's like, yeah, go ahead. My, my dad's broken. He's, yes. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why our, our parents get asked questions and they say okay instead of answering the question. Okay. 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 Mom, they ask you if you're good, doing good. Okay. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. So he's like, what did you fix exactly on this car? My dad's like, you want to know the truth? <laughs> Front, 97, black, 98. (laughs) He's like, you really want to know? He's like, yeah, I really want to know. He's like, this quarter of the car, this quarter of the car is a different car. He says, it drives as if I pulled it off the dealer lot everything he's like i am a addict of of beamers he's like i have a bunch of them this is driving perfectly you did good work you know why i'm sharing that that's not what god did that's not what grace did grace paid for a completely new you this is why I will never agree that when there is sin in my life I'm fighting, this is the way it's supposed to be. Grace paid. If grace was enough to pull me out of complete darkness and death and hell, I think grace is able to empower me to live a new life. If grace saved a sinner in one simple prayer where I begin to cry out to God, I think grace can allow a son of God to live righteously, to live holy, to live pleasing God in every way. I believe grace is not for us to return to the grave. Grace is for us to move forward, to press into the things God has for you. And I want to tell you, like Peter said, there is more grace for you not more grace to cover your iniquity not more grace just to cover your sin not more grace just to cover up some compromise more grace to live a new life more grace to righteously please God more grace to live holy more grace not by your works but by grace if grace saved you grace can also sanctify you grace can sanctify you The Lord says, take off his robes, take them off, and give him new robes. Give him a turban because he's a priest. You know, the Bible says that you are a kingdom of priests. Priests don't mess around with perversion. Priests don't mess around with sin. Priests have too much to do for the kingdom of God, and we don't got time to play with the world. Priests are a holy nation before God. Priests are called by name. Priests walk before God ah you are a kingdom of priests the Bible says 
He says, put the turban on, he's a priest. And then he begins to tell him an instruction. Live the way you know you ought to live. Live righteously. Please me in the decisions you make. Follow me. Obey what I ask you to do. And I will give you authority over the area you are in. I will give you influence where you are. Influence is not popularity. Popularity, popularity follows trend. Influence follows truth. Popularity changes when style changes. Popularity begins to talk differently when language changes in our culture. Popularity looks differently when, when things begin to look differently in culture. Popularity is influenced more on the people that make them popular than the one that actually matters. Influence cannot be gained by man's approval. Influence is a life lived holy and separated under God. And that person God gives not popularity to because most of the people that did mighty things for God were not popular. Everyone hated Jesus. Do you know that? And he says, wherever you go, you will be hated. But have strength. Do not be afraid. Have courage. For I have overcome the world. He overcame. Because he overcame, God gave him all authority and influence. Your influence will come when you make a decision. God, you gave me grace for my salvation. But you also gave me grace to sanctify my life. And I will not live according to this world. I will not live according to the patterns of this world. I will be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I will give myself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God. And God gives influence to that person. Popularity depends on everything the people say to the person. Influence is when the person speaks and the people begin to change. You come into a place and the atmosphere shifts because there's godly influence on your life. I used to hear things like this from some close people in my life that are not here anymore. We would go on a trip, for example, Shasta Lake. I'd be organizing the trip and some of the people would say, oh, Pastor Slavik's going? Now we have to act differently. <laughs> Wait, what? If you have to act differently because a pastor is in your area code, how do you live when he is not? And if you are influenced by the way he is around you, what influence does God have in your life when you are alone? Oh, that's scary. I don't live with my close friends here. No. I don't preach like this at home. But the things I preach about, by God's grace, I do in my life. Am I perfect? By no means. 
by no means do I want to attain perfection. Uh, yes, I press on toward the goal. I press on to which Christ Jesus reached me. But the things I talk about, I do at home. I try to do at home. By God's grace, I do in my life. But influence will never come when I am here in front of you one way and at home a different way. Influence will never come when all of a sudden a pastor comes into our conversation and our conversation changes because our pastor came. No, our pastor can talk about the things we're talking about because the way we live, I know will please him because I'm trying to please God. Oh, man, I need to finish. Popularity will never bring change to culture. As culture changes, the person will as well. Godly influence, because it is rooted, not in self, because it is rooted, not in my, uh, come on, help me out, the way I look, my style, the way I talk, how I act, my godly influence is not, has, has nothing to do with how I present myself to people. My godly influence has everything to do with how I live my private life before Him. And because it's rooted in my faith to please God, not you. Because it's rooted in grace that enables me not just to be saved, but to live a godly life. Because I am not caring as much about you and what you think compared to as much as what God thinks and how God is pleased and what He is saying. And because I have this anchor, the Bible says, in my life, because I have this root system that is growing in Christ, when he gives me influence, that influence will not crush me because there is foundation that has been developed in my personal life. And when influence comes, all of a sudden that influence, instead of crushing me, begins to pour through me and brings impact to my area, brings impact to my home, brings impact to my people, brings impact to my school, brings impact to my culture. That's why most people that are really popular are also very depressed. That's why most people that love popularity, and I was one of these guys in school. Everybody knew me. Everybody knew who my name When uh, Alvina will testify, when she came to our school our senior year and they, and they found out she was Russian, she's like, hey, they're like, hey, we got a Russian guy in our, in our school. George, have you met him? But you know, popularity will never give you true purpose. Popularity will never give you true fulfillment in who you are because we run too much. I know this. We run too much after what people think instead of what God thinks in our life. But influence, influence. Most people that are celebrities actually are very lonely. I think... Yeah, I believe God can reach celebrities. I believe God can reach famous people. But I don't believe in my reaching them that my life changes as the one that's influencing them. I believe if famous people, celebrities, people that we know of, people that are in our schools, people that are jocks and people that are presidents, when they begin to re get reached by us, 
It will not be us who are changing. It will be them who are changing. Because my influence is not dependent upon them. But God has given me something that will change their life. And I do not contradict. I do not trade. I don't go back to the grave for things that Jesus paid for to try to get with them and try to get in their circle. But I will say what I need to say and I will love them. But I will hold to what God has given me in my life. And that will bring change. That will bring fruit. That will bring influence into someone's life. Each of you, each of you is called to influence. Each of you, God desires to give more grace to, to empower you to live a life that begins to change the areas you walk into. You are not called to shape and, you know, transformers. You know, I don't know what else to call it. Become a transformer. When you walk into different places, you are called to walk into places and begin to transform them. Each of you. But that is impossible if we ignore that God's grace is here to empower me to live a godly life. That is impossible if we ignore that God's grace gives me strength not to boast of my living. The Bible says those who walk in humility, who come before the Lord in humility, they will be given more grace. The proud will be lowered, but the humble will be lifted up. I'm not talking about grace that says I'm better than everybody. Why are you not living holy? I'm living holy. I'm talking about grace. I'm talking about grace that says this is happening in my life by his power and his strength alone. This is happening because he has given me what I need to say no to sin. Grace gives me what I need to say no to the wrong things and to say yes to the right things. And this grace, this grace, in the same way that I did not do anything to receive it in my salvation. All I did to receive it for my right living is the same thing. What did you do when you received salvation? You believed. Your faith led you to confession. Your confession, the Bible says, gave you right to salvation. Right living is not, I wake up supernatural every morning. I hear wings on my back. You know. Wife's like, what's going on? Just morning exercise. <laughs> I'm about to fly in my room. No, grace is waking up in the morning and in the same way I believed and received salvation. I get up and I believe. I believe and I receive grace into my life, which empowers me to live right. I do this by confessing. 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 How do we live righteously? How do we live a holy life? 
not by our strength. Maybe some of you have backed off living a righteous life because it's too much work. But listen, when it gets really hard and we, according to his word, begin to live no matter what we feel, the Bible says, live righteously. Live the way I'm asking you to live and I will come. I will give you strength. Every time I saw myself falling, if I backed up, there was somewhere there was pride. Oh man, what a good week I'm having. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh man, what a great Sunday. I worshiped in every service. I said amen seven times. I took a page of notes. All this is good. But as soon as I think in some way, in some form, that this is me doing this, this is me making this happen. I'm setting myself up for failure. But every time I get up and I receive grace into my life, confessing that God, this is only by your strength. That God, if you don't come into my day today, I don't know what I'm going to do. God, I, I humble myself before you. I ask you to help me, to strengthen me, to give me a word. To, when, I, when I go into situations, to give me what to say. When I maybe face temptation, I don't know that's coming. You give me strength to overcome. And I rely, humbling myself on the grace of God. And, all, and what do you know? All of a sudden, as you walk your day, the Bible says those that walk in humility are being lifted up. Are given grace to now live their life in their day. Conquering the things that was conquering them. Overcoming the things that Jesus overcame. Living a life that God has called you to live. And in this, you are experiencing more grace. More grace. Your dance. And you don't say, man, George, good job. You say, God, thank you. Jesus, you are good and faithful. If it wasn't for you today, I don't know what I would do. If it wasn't for you today, I wouldn't make it. But you came. You showed up. My voice is losing I need somebody to preach it for me. I am confessing you, Jesus. I thank you so much. You know what happens? At the end of my day, my day's over, but more grace comes. <laughs> more grace comes because I acknowledge this is him working in me. This is him teaching me. This is him taking me to a new level of lifestyle I'm not doing this I'm giving myself to him I'm obeying his word I'm humbling myself before him and he's giving me grace he's lifting me up he's bringing me victory